I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. I spoke to Stuart McKinnon, Chief Operating Officer of NCR Atlios. NCR Atlios being a spin-out from NCR, taking the ATM business. I began by asking Stuart McKinnon whether the new business was just a play on the use of cash in financial systems. I would describe the company in two ways. One, helping banks transform through increased reliance on self-serve devices. So as branches change what they do in the branch, they really want to be more advisory and consultative. They're really pushing their customers more to self-service devices, which we've all used many times in our lives, and then expanding access through self-service devices to underserved communities and underserved demographics. It's interesting that you put it that way because the traditional view and the one implicit in the first question I asked is that it's all about putting a card in, getting cash out. That's right. But there's way more to a self-service machine than that. Yes. There's the standard group of transactions or actions that people think of immediately when they think about an ATM or a, or a financial self-service device. Globally, we have about 130 different types of transactions that we support anything from what you talk about, you know, putting money in or taking money out to digitally driven transactions where we don't have a card. The, the mobile device drives everything on the app, and then you essentially put your money in and out. That may be getting theater tickets or paying a penalty or a police fine or issuing citizenship IDs. So around the world, people have taken the device and innovated around it in many ways. Well, I'm going to go back to, to the access to cash issue briefly before getting into the more interesting and exotic examples that you cited there. But the one thing that we have seen as the world has come back out of the pandemic is there has been a return to desire for access to cash. There has been a return to a certain proportion of the population around the world wanting to use cash rather than having to be forced not to because of medical reasons at the time. Yeah, we, we've seen that. Uh, certainly there was an article in The Guardian in September citing a 7% increase in cash usage in the UK. We see it here. There's a lot of conversation nationally about bank branches closing and thereby reducing cash access and groups like Cash Access UK and Link working with independent providers like NCR Atlios and others to fill in those gaps with utility solutions that help sort of offset the closure of the bank branches and continue to provide that vital cash access. Well, there's two things going on, and this brings me on to some of the other uses of the kind of machinery, both hardware and software, that you produce. You talked about bank branches closing, but there is. you also talked about branches changing. The kind of bank branch of the future is going to be one that will effectively have financial advisors in it or financial wealth managers in it alongside machinery because all the things that you used to have to go to a bank teller to do, you can go to the automatic teller to do. That's right. 
Yeah, and we were seeing the evolution of the types of transactions, as we talked about, that you can do at a self-service device really expanding. We have video teller now, so you can essentially engage a a live teller at the self-service device who's located centrally. This allows a bank to expand their hours of access. They don't need to have cash behind a cage, as we have traditionally experienced throughout our lives uh, at a bank. And as you said, the people that are in the bank working are really there for assistive and consultative experiences. And so the self-service devices drive a lot more of the volume of transactional experiences that we used to be in front of a teller for every day. There is a basic fact about the, the way the population is skewing towards how it likes to do what it likes to do with its finances. Self-service at my convenience is what banks are now selling these days in terms of their online approach. Self-service at my convenience with a human being at the other end sounds great for a different segment of the population, but it's still self-service. We're all getting used to doing more or expecting to do more with our financial planning and our usage of money, whether that money is cash or online. Yeah, and I think we have generational shifts. So I was trying not to say it's all down to old people wanting to talk to a human still. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because we have not only generational shifts, we have demographic shifts, and so we have people who are cash preferred or cash dependent even because they don't have a relation traditional relationship with the financial institution but yet they still have to exist in the digital economy in some ways if they want to rent a car or get a hotel or do those things and so they're they need ways to get physical negotiable instruments i.e. cash in and out of the ecosystem and as banks are looking to as we've all said, change the complexion of their branches. Those self-service devices are becoming increasingly important. And we've seen, we're, we're in about 140 countries. Other countries like the UK start to migrate to a utility network. So it's not necessarily a bank-owned device, but it provides all of the services to all of the banks in the, in, in the, in the country. Uh, so Geldemat uh, in, in uh, the Netherlands... Uh, is a great example where the banks have pooled their resources into a utility that's operated essentially for all of the users, and it helps sort of fill in those areas. You know, branches are no longer the requirement to provide that cash access. You have this sort of utility provider, much like the post office has sort of become in the UK, but perhaps a little more reliable than a post office. Oh, I think that's fighting talk, but I'm not going to take you up on that because that's a whole separate issue. But some of the examples you were giving there that one might need to take cash out of a machine for, actually you wouldn't need to take cash out of if somebody's taken the business opportunity to put their service into the ecosystem that exists on the ATM. You were citing, for example, a car hire. There's no reason I can see why that shouldn't happen from an ATM as well, at an airport. I don't need to go to a car hire, you know, other car hire firms are available, but you don't need to go to a car hire choice and say, here's my money, give me the car. I could have done it all at the ATM and then turned up at at their desk saying, is the car ready? 
Yeah, and that's an evolution. We call that um, effectively cash digitization. We have that offer quite lively in the UK and, and in the US as well, where we allow partners like a, a car rental agency. We have uh, gaming partners who essentially use the ATM as the physical access point. So I reserve my car on my mobile app. It d- directs me to the nearest ATM that can accept the cash because I don't have credit or I don't have some other facility that I might normally use. I drop it in and instantly now the reservation is completed. Because people are so used to the mobile experience, trying to replicate that on the ATM is expensive and time consuming and trying to make sure that it aligns with the mobile experience of our partners. That is sort of the new change in terms of what we term cash digitization or allowing partners to use our physical infrastructure to support their businesses. So what happens next with the company? You are a recent spin-out from NCR. Yes. Obviously, you personally are going to say, we have a great future in front of us. (laughs) But how do you define that great future? What's going to happen next for NCR Atlios? So NCR Atlios, as you mentioned, spun out of NCR, a 140-year-old company, originally National Cash Register, and at one time the largest point-of-sale systems provider, you know, through the 20s and the 40s. We've been doing business with banks for decades in terms of providing them with ATMs and branch infrastructure, if you will. Traditionally, we have sold them all of this infrastructure and let them run it. Increasingly now, they're asking us to operate on their behalf. So as the world has migrated to these as-a-service solutions or these subscription-based solutions, we see our banks asking us to operate that on their behalf. And we're right in the middle of doing that for Santander right here in the UK, where we're operating all of their branch infrastructure for them rather than selling them the infrastructure and allowing them to do that. And then secondly, it's really continuing that journey of of cash access places like India and Egypt that are migrating their their citizens to owning bank accounts increasingly need the infrastructure to support that, which is self-service devices that allow them to get in and out of that bank account, uh, which they haven't traditionally had nationwide and are now needing to support that. Uh, so we think there's still a long road ahead as countries evolve and as banks change the complexion of how they want to own or operate these services. Well, there's two, two, two things going on there. One, one is what the machinery itself, and touched on this earlier, what the machinery itself is used for, how it is used, what other services can be brought into it. And we looked in some detail at the example of car hire there. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is, yes, there are still, and one sometimes forgets, sitting in a developed nation, whether that's in Europe or the US or elsewhere around the world, there are still financial inclusion issues in these countries, but by no means of the order of magnitude in places such as India, although that's changed, and Egypt, as you mentioned earlier. There is a a significant marketplace out there around the world, first of all, for building an ecosystem of services on the machines you supply, operating them on a subscription revenue basis, which is what you were describing, I believe, with Santander in the UK. That's correct, yeah. And then at the same time, extending into a marketplace that you're not 
present or not present in the way you would like to be at the moment. Yeah, I think that's that's well described. We we are obviously a, a new company and bullish on our prospects, <laughs> and largely because today we service 600,000 ATMs around the world that our customers have purchased from us in one manner or another. Uh, so we have a, a very extensive footprint, about 20,000 employees that deliver those services every day. These devices are complex electromechanical devices, so they require maintenance to keep running at the level that banks need and expect so that when a cardholder shows up, it's ready to deliver the service. And simply continuing that business with those existing customers is a great business for us. And as you said, expanding our services into geographies that are now making that leap from either third to second world or second to first world and needing the type of infrastructure that we've long taken for granted. Do you see yourself as always being a hardware solution for people, or do you think there's there's a route where certain things that you do would become available to financial institutions as a software solution? Our hardware revenues today, about 20% of our revenue is hardware, so the majority of our revenue is actually software and services. We anticipate that mix shifting to about 10% hardware. The hardware is still important, but it's all the services that we wrap around as we talked about adding those additional transactions, uh, uh, that feature functionality. How do we incorporate artificial intelligence into the devices is a question we have had many banks ask us and, and talk about to us, right? And, you know, do we have a, a world where there is a AI-generated avatar on the screen walking you through a transaction, something that banks are exploring? We have one bank testing it in their mobile channel and in their online channel and then looking to understand if I want a consistent AI driven experience do I need to pull that into my self-service channel so those are things that are actively being explored and I don't have the answer of where that's going to (laughs) go we're as interested as anybody in how we bring those types of solutions into our our industry normally I actually have to press people to admit that they don't know what's going to happen but the way it normally goes is if I ask you what the six-month outlook is you've got a great clear idea 100% if I ask you what the next 18 months is going to do you've got still got a pretty great clear idea five years time nobody knows I I think it's even more near-term than that. I think that the changes are happening so rapidly that even three years' time is hard to predict given the the rapid pace of technology adoption, the change, and we talked about generational change. My children, who are all in their early 20s, they adopt things instantly, right? They're in that rapid adoption phase, so they're already using... AI assistance in their everyday lives without even having thought about it. I'd just like to say that they are the people who in my family are known as tech support. That's exactly (laughs) right. Yes, it's it's somewhat humbling to have lost that title in my family. I grew up as the technology support person and now I have to call them sometimes for help. Stuart McKinnon, Chief Operating Officer of NCR Atlios.